Hi there. In the first run of these 15 podcasts, each episode will be published every Tuesday from noon GMT. Happy listening. Episode 4. Welcome to Episode 4 of Dow's Your Way to Psychic Power. Previously, I introduced you to some of the practicalities of dowsing. We met and learned to overcome the menace of the cosmic joker, and we started to bond with our dowsing instruments. In this episode, we look at the power of the pendulum, the age-old skill of the forked stick, the need to get into an altered mental state, and protecting ourselves from harmful energies. Probably the best known of the dowsing instruments is the pendulum. Just a weight, suspended by a string or thread, but in some people's minds it's as magical as a wizard's wand. How long you make the cord or chain or string is a matter of choice, but remember, the longer it is, the longer the swing, and the longer it takes to get an answer. I suggest you try something between four and six inches. Now, here's where a lot of people get frustrated before they've even begun, because they dangle the pendulum, motionless, and ask their question. Nothing happens. They try again. Again, nothing happens. Confidence begins to ebb. They ask again, perhaps rephrasing the question, in case the pendulum didn't understand the first one. Nothing. Frustration sets in, and it's very tempting to throw the whole thing out of the window and get back to familiar things like paying the gas bill or taking the dog for a walk. The pendulum just hangs there, mocking. Don't despair. All you need to do is give the pendulum a bit of energy. Just get it swinging in what's known as the search position. That is, with a flick of the wrist, nudge the pendulum into a diagonal swing so that it's got some energy behind it. Gradually, the back-and-forth diagonal will transform into a uniform clockwise or anti-clockwise movement. At this point, I should say that you need to establish your own unique yes and no signal. For many people, clockwise means yes and Anti-clockwise is a no, but for some it's the opposite. For others a yes is an up and down motion like a head nodding, with swinging to the left and right like a head shaking meaning no. Whatever you feel comfortable with and what works for you is your own unique response. There's no right or wrong way, so long as the signal is consistent Remember the danger of reversed polarity mentioned in a previous episode? A good way to check out your yeses and noes is to dangle the pendulum first over your right knee and then your left, after giving it a diagonal nudge, of course. As the right knee is positive and the left negative, you should get a yes movement and then a no. There is a third reaction which you should be aware of, and that's a confused swinging and circling that makes no sense to you. This is your pendulum's way of saying, that's a daft question, how can I answer that correctly? For instance, am I a good person? Good? Good in what way? Good for a laugh? Good to animals? Good for a cannibal to eat? 
Don't forget, in asking your question, you're dialoguing with the eternal information matrix, which knows everything. However, much like a computer, it takes things literally. Unlike you or me, it can't judge the nuances or the tone of voice, or whether you're being ironic. It'll answer you literally. When it comes to a debatable question, it won't answer at all. That is why it's so important to be precise in your questioning. It's no good asking your pendulum, is there water under this field? It'll probably say yes. But while you meant drinkable water, it's just telling you that there's water, which turns out to be sewage. Remember, for results that are terrific, it pays to be specific. If you were a water dowser asking that last question of his forked stick, you'd probably say something like, show me drinkable water flowing all year round at a rate of at least 200 litres a minute at less than 30 metres in depth. Long-winded, yes, but the rods are left in no doubt about the answer that you're seeking. And talking of the forked stick or the Y-rod, we're back to the tweed-jacketed gent plodding across a field looking for underground water. This is the image that most non-dowsers recognise and think of what dowsing's all about. Isn't dowsing something to do with finding water, they ask? In old, the old days, our gent used a forked branch, usually hazel and trim to size. These days, the Y-Rod's more high-tech and is manufactured from plastic or polyamide or any sort of springy metal. You hold the Y-Rod between both thumbs and wrap your hands around the handle end, turning your wrists upwards to create a tension with the device, which then quivers like a greyhound in the traps. Once you've got the grip right, walk forward asking to be shown underground water. When you cross a stream, the rod will either jerk up or down. Either way, it's as well to be prepared as the end can give you a nasty whack. And by the way, for water, also read minerals, precious metals or even oil. The water dowser is just as capable of finding other tangible things hidden underground. And another wonder of the human mind <clears throat> is illustrated here. The dowser finds what he's looking for. So, if he or she is looking for gold, but right next to the seam of gold ore is an underground stream, the Y-Rod will ignore the water and only indicate the metal. Magic! The last popular dowsing device is the wand or the bobber. This is a flexible length of wood or plastic, thick at one end, tapering to a thin point. It's the thin end that you hold with the weight of the thick end, giving it its nodding motion. I usually visualise a fishing rod held by the thin end here. To make your own bobber, cut a piece of tapering hazel between three and five feet long. Cut off all protruding bits until you have a long, flexible stick. Hold it by the thin end and walk forward. It'll bob up and down, and this is your search position. As you connect with your target, the end will behave like the pendulum. Again, if you don't want to make one yourself, they can be purchased, manufactured from plastic, copper or stainless steel. 
Well, that's a quick gallop through the kind of tools that dowsers use. For the purposes of learning the essentials of connecting your intuition to the information field, we'll stick to the L-rod or the pendulum from now on. And one final essential. Most serious dowsers believe they're communing within an intelligence outside themselves when they douse. Consequently, they approach their dowsing with a sense of respect. They demonstrate this by always asking permission before dowsing. It's a very simple process, but one that's good to get into the habit of adopting. So, before dowsing, ask the three questions, Can I? May I? Should I? Can I means, have I the ability in this instance, and am I ready? May I means, do I have your, and that is the outside intelligences, permission? And should I means, is it appropriate and proper to douse this question here and now? If you get a no to any of these questions, postpone the exercise until later. The first thing the dowsing and the psychic worlds have in common is the need for the practitioner's mind to be in an altered state. This is an indispensable condition if you want to be a good dowser or psychic. And what exactly is an altered state? Well, it's where the busy left brain, the one that deals with everyday practicalities, is quietened down, allowing the submissive right brain to get into the driving seat. This happens automatically in certain circumstances. For instance, when experienced dowsers are seeking their target or asking their pendulum whether the answer is yes or no or maybe. Or it's when the medium sinks into a trance to allow the spirit world to speak through him or her. Or when we're in bed in the twilight world between being awake and asleep. Or it's like when you're driving a car and find that when you've reached your destination, you can't remember anything of the route you've just taken. Or when Albert Einstein's daydreaming about what energy is and E equals MC squared pops into his head. Getting yourself into an altered state is easier said than done. Yes, it happens automatically once you're driving along a familiar road, but to get into an altered state to order takes practice and persistence. The more you practice, the quicker it happens. As I said, experienced dowsers will enter such a state instantly as they lock their mind onto the objective. Or a medium will make the transition within seconds. Dowsers and those who want to progress in psychic matters must know how to get rapidly into this alpha brainwave state. The human brain has four ranges of frequencies it works with, depending on the job it's doing. Beta, alpha, theta and delta. Alpha is our friend and the state we want to fall into every time we want to douse or do psychic things. Adding theta and delta is even better, but alpha will give us all we need. Beta, between 13 and 40 hertz, is what we use for alertness, concentration, making decisions. Alpha, 7 to 13 hertz, is for relaxation, visualisation and creativity and what we need for accessing the great computer in the sky. Theta, 4 to 7 hertz, 
is for meditation, intuition, memory, and can also be useful to us for linking our subconscious to what's out there. Delta, that's zero to four hertz, is for healing and deep sleep. But as I said, alpha will serve us well. But how do we get into this ideal alpha state? There are many ways to access this meditative mode, and the more you practice, the easier it becomes. Like dowsing, there's no single right way. What works for me might leave you frustratedly in left-brain mode, thinking of all the shopping you've got to do to cater for guests coming at the weekend. But you could try something like this. Sit or lie comfortably and gently relax your eyelids and softly close them. Now roll your eyes up 20 degrees in your head as if you were looking at your eyebrows. This happens naturally when you transition into your normal sleeping state, so you'll immediately begin to relax. Breathe comfortably and slowly and focus on your breathing. Begin counting backwards from 50 down to zero. Pace yourself at one numeral per second. And when you arrive at five, stop and mentally tell yourself that you'll be totally relaxed and in the alpha state when you reach zero. Start the countdown again and again stop, this time at three, telling yourself the same thing. Then finish the countdown to zero and enjoy going into alpha easily and without effort in only a few short seconds. Keep your eyes closed and pretend you're looking at a blank screen just beyond your eyebrows. At first, you'll see very little, perhaps lots of dots or swirling coloured wisps. Nothing coherent. But gradually, elusive forms will become more recognisable. They could form into a face, or a scene, or an animal. Personally, I pay attention to these pictures as they bubble into my mind. I notice how they develop. Then I mentally step inside the scene. Basically, getting into alpha mode is like daydreaming. You switch off the active side of your mind and just drift into a world of your own. I detail a range of methods of attaining an altered state in later episodes. The material world around us that we can see and touch and with which we relate is just the visible surface of a seething flux of energies which govern our lives. We can't see them, but we interact consciously or unconsciously every moment of our earthly lives. These unseen swirlings can perform feats which are undeniable but which no one can explain. Getting in touch with these energies by using mind-altering substances is not to be recommended. In fact, it would be irresponsible and dangerous for a dowser or psychic to do this as the results would not be accurate or helpful. And another reason to steer clear of this temptation is that using drugs opens portals from the human mind to other dimensions inhabited by spirit chancers who will eagerly latch onto you while your defences are down. They include spirits of humans who no longer have a carnate body, also demonic entities who take over your mind and body for their own purposes, and even floating nomad consciousnesses, 
Some believe they're ETs who lodge themselves in the life force of human beings. Why doesn't this happen when a dowser or a psychic enters an altered state? Because, so long as they remain in control of their minds, their defences are strong and entities and attachments don't have the power. It's only when humans weaken their defences by voluntarily imbibing excessive quantities of alcohol or take narcotics or become mentally weak for other reasons that discarnate energies invade. So, the first action we take before dowsing or entering the psychic realm is to protect ourselves. So long as live human beings are in command of their senses, they have dominion over all entities from other dimensions. However, these entities will certainly try bluffing you into being afraid and lowering your guard, but they have no real power to harm unless you invite them into your life for whatever reason. And more on this later. But to be doubly sure, it's as well to take simple precautions. There are lots of ways to do this, but the principle is to call on the highest power for good in the universe to provide you with a protective shield of white or golden light. <clears throat> Imagine yourself floating in a bubble or cocoon of brilliant light through which no harmful energies can enter. Some dowsers or psychic workers call on this protective shield to encase them just prior to working with other dimensions. And it's not a bad idea to make this part of your daily routine. When you get up in the morning or while you're still lying in bed, imagine this light bubble descending to envelop you in a warm, protective, womb-like security. You could say something like, I am surrounding myself with a wonderful bubble of white light which will protect me from all detrimental energies from any time, any place, any dimension, any frequency, any reality. No harmful energy can penetrate my shield, but it will allow all beneficial energies to get through to me and flow out from me. Some people like to imagine a mirror-like coating on the outside of their cocoon which reflects back into the light all harmful energies, spirit attachments, entities, ETs, curses, thought forms, human negativity and anything else detrimental. And soon I'm going to be giving you more information on just what these harmful energies might be, what form they take, and shortly we'll be conducting our first experiment using our early dowsing skills to detect if we have any of these entities near us. Coming up in episode 5, we look at the invisible entities all around us, apparitions, ghosts, poltergeists and doppelgangers, elementals and angels, how to detect them with our dowsing tools and all the other stressful energies surrounding us. If you can't wait for the next episode, don't forget, all the stuff I'm covering here in, is in my book, Dowse Your Way to Psychic Power, available on Amazon or from any online retailer. See you at episode 5.